All right, we have here Brady McDonald, serial entrepreneur. I will dive into a lot of the stuff that Brady does, but to give you guys some context as to how I connected with Brady, there's a lot of times where I'm just going through social media and there's some awesome people that I want to connect with, people that get right to the point that are very mission-focused in entrepreneurship. And I think Brady had maybe liked one of my posts or commented on one of my posts, and I was like, hey, let me check this guy out. He's got over 10,000 followers, so there's some credibility there. And the first thing that I saw that caught my eye was in your bio, we will donate a dollar per every follower to the Operation Underground Railroad, right? Which was for the children's sex trafficking, which is something that we're super passionate about. It hits home, especially during a time where the new movie just came out as well. So it's very relevant in today's age. And so I was like, I got to drop this guy a follow and then consumed his content, realized that this guy knows a lot about real estate. He knows he's running ultra marathons. Send him a DM like, dude, we got, I got to get to know you a little bit better. Let's get it on a podcast. So with all that being said, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Yeah, brothers, my pleasure. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Absolutely, man. So why, why don't we just give you the floor for the first couple of minutes? Just tell us a little bit more about your story, where you've been and kind of where you're at today. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Ontario, Canada. I actually didn't come down here until uh, January of 2022 and down into the US. So we, we're now in Cape Coral. But, you know, I grew up in a small town, Ontario and, uh, you know, small 20,000 per person. I thought if I left the house and made 50 grand a year, that was that was the goal. You know, I ended up, you know, with this zero to 100 mindset, just realizing that one of my friend's brothers had a job making 100 grand a year. And he had a full case of beer and a brand new pickup truck, worked for this company. And when I was in college, I applied to the faxed it back in the day. Yeah, that might have been, I don't know how old you guys are, but that's what we that's what I did every single week and eventually got this dream job, right? And I ended up being a utility arborist instructor. Okay. So I literally I was in the corporate world for 12 years and I was look we were looking for what was next. And because we realized that we had limited income. I mean, we were making six figures, but you're still limited income right? Limited time, right? Because you're controlled by six weeks of a year vacation and then limited, limited development opportunity for personal development and growth. So, you know, that's when we started looking for what was next. We learned that somebody was a full-time real estate investor and knew nothing about it. But with the same mindset, we, I said to myself, if he can do it, I can do it too. We realized like we looked at how much mortgage pay down appreciation and cash flow this guy was making. I'm like, he's making a million bucks a year. And and I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it too. So that's literally what we did. We read a book and uh, I'm really simplifying this, but read a book. We, we, you know, decided on the strategy that we were going to burr, you know, do the buy, reno, refire, rent, repeat strategy on this house. And uh, it worked. I did all the renovations myself and the next property, you know, I, considering we're still working full time, I next property, we started the company. We ended up doing 25 to 35 deals a year in Canada. And amassed that it put an $80 million uh, rental portfolio, a multifamily portfolio up there and did a lot of land development. And then, you know, COVID was really crazy up there. And so what we do, I ended up, I did the 75 hard. I was like into fit, starting to get into fitness for the first time in my life. I was athletic before, but not like fitness and had the courage that we took our family down to Costa Rica during COVID because it was like lockdown central up there. And when we came back, we just realized we're back to where we were. Right. And it's like, what's next? And that's what. We, then we came to the U.S., man, and you know it's been uh, a year and a half, and now we do uh, big Class A self storage developments. We got two, we got about forty-five million dollars in developments in Texas. We sell entitled land down here to other developers, and you know we've got a you know the zero to one hundred brand, and you know, and, and we're we're really just yeah, we're just loving it down here. 
So that's incredible, man. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing the story and, I, and I've heard similar stories in terms of how intense it was in Canada. And I mean, there's some stuff going on right now where you can have access to some news channels in Canada yeah. as well. Kind of, kind of wild, but so, so tell us the, when you first start in real estate, cause I think a lot of people think that it's easy, right? It's like, Oh, I read it. Like, like you were saying, I read a book and there we go. Now I have an $80 million yeah. portfolio. What, tell us a little bit, some of like the early steps in what to be cognizant of when you're still in a W2 job and how many properties do you think it's going to take to actually get to a point where this is scaled so you can exit your job and actually start building up this portfolio? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love that you're asking me this question because I, I thought to myself, I had, you know, I was really digging into what I could do to create impact on people's lives and helping people start investing in real estate is the one thing I think that I, that is the most impactful because I think harding, starting anything is the hardest part whether it's putting your shoes on for a run or, you know, a new job or new position. So, yeah, I mean, I, but I also think like when you're getting into real estate investor investing, I feel like people overcomplicate it and they feel that they need, they feel that they need to know all the steps and all the clarity. They have to have all the pieces of the pie. Perfect. And I believe that that's not true. You just need to know your next step. Right. So I believe, you know, when we started in real estate, I read one book to get a good landscape of what, real estate was like, who are the players? Who do I need to know? Who do I have to have my team? What are the strategies? What strategy is going to best suit my goals, right? From a financial perspective, a lifestyle time perspective, right? And then from there, you make a decision. You're going to have to pick one, right? And and so that's what I always is. This is, it's not overly complicated, but what makes it complicated is people. They feel like they got to know everything, right? And it slows them down. They don't go get momentum. So it always starts with a vision, in my opinion, right? If, if you don't have a clear vision of your life and where you want to be in the next five years, then it's really hard to give yourself direction as to what step to take next. And so I always coach people to start with the vision board and we legitimately make vision boards, right? And then from there, it's, it's educating yourself about real estate investing and understanding the landscape. I did the exact same thing when I got into storage. You know, same exact same thing. I, I knew that storage is an asset class. I didn't know what the players were. I didn't know how to underwrite. I didn't know what made a good location. I didn't uh, understand the financing. So again, I understood the big picture. And then what do I need to do next? That's the only thing I need to know. Right. And so, you know, I think that's that to me, like that's what starting something new is all about is just trying to figure out what the landscape looks like doing the next thing and then surrounding yourself with people that have already done it. Right. Like if, if you're going to do anything alone, it's very challenging. I mean, it's a lonely place. Entrepreneurship can be that in itself. So surrounding yourself with people that have already done what you want to do is like probably the next most important step. So what was that transition like for you? So you were in that W2 spot for a while. What, what did that transition look like for you? Take, was it, did it feel like you took a big leap? Were you, did you feel like you had a good runway to figure some stuff out along the way? Like, what did that transition look like? Yeah. So we refinanced our primary residence to come up with the money. And then we, you know, we, we were like, we had no idea if this was going to work out. So there was a lot of doubt, but what there was is taking action. Right. And so I literally did all the renovations myself. So after work, every night after work and every weekend for three months, that's what I did. I did all the renovations to this thing myself. And and when you're doing that, you're taking action. You, the fear can't live while you're taking action. Right. And so that got us through that first deal. And then once I, once you prove the strategy, because I think that's one of the most important things that you do very early on before you get too deep is prove that this is working, prove that you're on the right direction. 
And then, you know, the next thing that I did, so I, of course I was working full time. The next thing I did was bought another property, same strategy, right? So I could build on it. And then I hired the first team member and, and into our company. So we ended up with a construction company with 20 staff, but you know, then we hired it out and we created systems and processes along the way to start, you know, getting better use of our time, you know, having the business be more predictable, being able to control it better, be more efficient, et cetera. Go ahead, Tone. No, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, so if you don't mind, you know, for some of the listeners that they heard you say it earlier, and Antonio and I are familiar with the Burr method, right? But could you just kind of open that up a little bit, explain, you know, briefly what that is, and then maybe even as well, how you, maybe that's where you started. Has your strategy evolved at all? So maybe just to kind of explain fundamentally where you started, what that strategy looked like, and then how that's evolved over time. Sure. Yeah. So I guess like maybe even we pre like we could talk about just quickly, like real estate investing is like there's active ways to invest in real estate and then more passive ways. I like truly passive ways. I mean, would be like investing in private, doing private mortgages or something like that. But there's more passive ways where you would buy a buy buy a rental property and just rent it and hold it. Like it's 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 there's not a lot going on. It's not passive by any means. But then there's more active ways where you're actually forcing appreciation. And, and trying to generate the wealth faster, which is the Burr model. So the Burr model stands for when you buy a property, you renovate it to increase its value, right? You rent it out or you, sorry, you refinance it. And when you refinance it, the goal here is to return your renovation capital as well as as much as the, the money it costs for your down payment, right? And then you rent it and repeat this process. So the idea here is that you're recycling the initial capital that you had on the first deal into the second deal and into the third deal and so forth. So, you know, if you had a hundred grand, you could likely turn that into $300,000 properties or something like that versus one, right? That's the strategy. And, and it definitely speeds up your wealth creation, you know, cash flow, et cetera. So let's talk about the last couple of years as we went from COVID where it's like virtually zero interest rates to now much higher interest rates. We've seen closer to seven to nine percent at this point. Let's say you bought a property with the intention to burr it and you got caught in this in the space of interest rates start to climb. So you're you're locked in at a solid mortgage and you forced all this appreciation. What's the strategy now? Because you probably don't want to refinance into a crappier rate. Are you taking HELOCs? Like what what's that strategy at this given time? Yeah, I mean, I guess it ends ended up depends on your your overall cash perspective, like uh, in what in your portfolio portfolio in your job. I think a lot of people that did exactly that in this time frame are in a world of hurt. And so it depends, you know, if you did one, you're probably okay because maybe you maybe you can offset the increase in mortgage amount by your W two or other properties. But you know, like we were doing ten at a time, twenty fifteen at a time, and like if this happened to me now, I it, dude. It would have been a night. It'd be more of a nightmare than it already was, right? So, I mean, ultimately, every decision that you make as a real estate investor needs to be uh, made on, based on a performa, a spreadsheet, right? So that's what I would be doing. I'd be analyzing what are my options and what is the best option to protect me now and then also in the future, right? I mean, you don't make decisions without looking at those things. Sure. Yeah. Warren Buffett says the best emotions and optimism are the enemies of the rational investor. At the end of the yeah. day, it's numbers, man. So just real quick, just a, a personal side. Now, I want to get a, a good feel for this, like the Canada landscape when it comes to like tax favorability of, of real estate. Like how is that similar or different from the American laws? 
Yeah, so it's significantly different. So there, you know, one of the big factors for you guys have an advantage is depreciation. So we we can't do nearly the amount. The tax from a tax perspective, you know, my income tax down there would be or up there would be like fifty six percent. So which is significantly higher that we can't do ten ninety nines. Is ten ninety nine? Yeah, right. Ten ninety nine exchange. Yep. Yeah. There's lots of lots of. Yeah, it's, it's just harder there, man. Like financing is probably one of, the, one of the hardest things, even with like a large portfolio with me, like me, we could, we were capped at 10. Most investors are capped at five properties where I can find, I know in the US with a little bit of a track record, we can get unlimited funds for the right deal. Yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging. I mean, it set us up for success here though, I would say, you know, and, and, you know, and I think that's ultimately anytime things are hard. I mean, it's just making us stronger for when. Yeah. It's not as hard, right? That, I mean, that's incredible because a lot of people invest in real estate in the U.S. purely for the tax breaks. And, and so the fact that yeah. you've been able to do it without those incentives, now you're, you introduce cost segregation and things like that. It's, it's you know, warp Dude, speed at this point. I'm in heaven. Yeah, yes. that's, that's <laughs> incredible, man. So, so yeah. let's zoom out of the real estate space for a second. Tell us a little bit more about your other ventures. You got zero to 100. I'm not sure specifically what that that initiative is. And then, and then also like you're running ultra marathons and you have this initiative for the kids, how'd that start? I know that's like 15 questions in one, but let's let's start there of like what zero to 100 looks like. Yeah, I'll just back up a little bit and I'll, I'll start just kind of tell you the story. I mean, I came to the, you know, I told you before that I did the 75 day hard. That was the first time I ever like didn't drink since I was probably 15 years old. First time I ever like got fit, like was focused on fitness. And I realized what that did for my mindset. And and then the courage that I had and the clarity that I had to do bigger deals and take my family to Costa Rica. But then I also went back to the same people that I was hanging around doing the same things and started doing the same old habits. So when I came down to the US, I said to my wife, I said, we need to do something different. I ended up surrounded by myself with the right people. We did a couple Iron Man or half Iron Mans. And so that was last year was kind of like the, I would call my year of the half Iron Man. And and then I hired a coach and I, we were just traveling so much. I, my goal was to do a full Ironman, but we were just traveling so much. So I just focused on running. And so he coached me in January to do a, a half, a full, a full marathon. And the longest I'd run be, prior to that was a, a half marathon. And the full marathon was significantly harder. Like it was actually the hardest thing I'd ever done. I said to myself, it was harder than a half Ironman. And I hated my life for the last like seven, eight miles because I went out too fast. I, you know, I didn't do it right. And, and anyway, when I, when I finished that, I said, okay, well, what's next? Right. And, um, you know, that's when I talked to my coach, I said, do you think I can do a 50 mile? And he's like, sure, absolutely. We got, you know, two and a half months. Let's go. So we started training for this and that's, that's like a, the zero to 100 comes out of exactly this. Like I went on a personal journey and just I got I realized what makes me stronger, which was this fitness aspect. And I and I honestly believe and I know now that when you look after your body, you push your body through hard times consistently that that trains your mind to be able to do the same and you become a better I became a better father, a better husband, a better communicator. You know, I I, I followed through on business more I was, you know, a, just overall a better person. So I just you know, in zero to 100 mindset form and level of action, like I'm just like, okay, hey, what's next? We did a 50 mile. I did a 50 mile. That was December or sorry, May 20th. I ended up coming first place, which I'm not like, th that's just insane. But first place ended up with rhabdomyolysis and dehydration in the hospital for three days. 
And again, the mindset was just like, I was, I was terrified because they're saying that I've got this hole in my heart that which is uh, trying to keep this short for you guys. But, and they said like, you can't do anything but golf. And I'm like, damn, like, this is, I'm like, I'm just getting good right now. Right. I'm just becoming the best I can be. And I had 29029 on the calendar two and a half weeks later, which is Mount Everest simulation climb. So you climb up this mountain and you come down on the gondola. You do this up until you do 29,000 vertical feet, the height of Everest. It's a 24 hour event. And I, so I got clearance from cardiologist. I did it. And then my, I said to my coach, what's next? Like, what do we, this was just in May. And I said, well, I want to run a hundred miles because I want to prove to, I want to show people what's possible. Cause I like, I'm just starting, you know? And, and so when I did that, I signed up, but I told him like, he's like, I don't know. I'm like, dude, I want to run a hundred miles, but I want to raise a thousand dollars per mile. He's like, that's a lot of money, Brady. I'm like, I know I can get it. That's not a problem. And so now, yeah. And then the zero to 100 mindset came in like just over the last three months this is brand new. It's just like, this is the life philosophy that I've always had and the way that I've gotten everything that I've ever wanted. It's purely by the, the taking level of action, the massive level of action, having the right mindset that I can do it. If I, if I want it, First, I need to know, just believe that it's possible. Know that somebody else has done it. Believe it's possible. Take massive action and never quit, right? And then it's it's a community of people just like us that you know understand these things and have the same core values. Yeah, I mean, so that's what it's all about. So I, you know, two months away from doing this this hundred mile run and and trying to help people along the way. That's exciting, man. That's it. so it, the law of attraction is a real thing because Antonio and I have both recently just kind of dove into the same journey. We are training for a marathon in December. I have a half marathon I'm doing in September and in November, two of those. Then we're running a marathon in December. And I actually signed up for Lake Placid full Ironman in July of next year. So like we're Heck just getting yeah. into that. So we got a lot of momentum, man. It's like, yeah, it's buddy. Cool. you've been through, you've been through it. So definitely offline. We'll, we'll want to pick your brain on some training and, and stuff like that. But, but that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. How have you seen? your training impact your, your business mindset and just that mental toughness and, and all that stuff? Like, how have you seen that bridge? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of brought me like, I, I would say that I was always a high achiever, you know, so you considering what I would always do to my body. I was a high achiever when I started getting into fitness, it made me like significantly better. You know, I would say like zero to hundred, zero to 50. Right. But then what, like, well, probably zero to 75, but I just, I quit drinking five months ago, like completely just done with it. And that has changed my life. I mean, it's all changed my life. It's been a journey, right? It's, it's like, not, there wasn't one thing, but yeah, in a combination of quitting drinking and, you know, just really focusing on fitness, it, what both of those things do is help this. And I think when you, when you've got this and you got good relationships that making money and doing business and being a better human in general is, is easy. It's the easy part. But, you know, like when you, when you do endurance races, you are putting yourself in like the, the, the worst pain place you can for a long duration of time. And I actually gave the example to a guy I hopped on a call with yesterday. His dad was in the hospital. Thankfully he survived, but he, like he could have also died. And I said, I bet you any money that this, 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 that what just happened to you changed your life. And, they, and he said, well, yeah, it has. I said, I bet you, you think 
you know, you don't take your dad for granted. And he's like, yeah, you're right. He's like, well, you're probably going to call him more often. Yeah, you're right. Like there's a lot of growth that ha happened out of that pain. Right. And he's like, there was. And I said, well, that's what endurance training does for you, period. Because you put yourself into that pain constantly. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you create this environment that is extremely hard, which is where growth, growth, where, where growth happens. Right? Yeah. And I think yeah. I say it all the time. It's down to a formula, in my opinion, like happiness equals self-confidence and self-confidence is the ability to do the hard shit you say you're going to do all the time. And all that's that. why fitness is so important for entrepreneurship, because it builds that self-confidence muscle every day, because I think people get it twisted that you actually want to go out and run 100 miles like it's brutal. It sucks. It's not fun. I don't want to wake up and go to the gym every day at 5 a.m., but you just do it because it has to get done. And that's a great like I love what you did when you first got to America and you probably didn't have a, an insane amount of connections where you moved. I don't know. But the easiest thing, especially if you're trying to grow a business, like go around people crazy enough to run a half Ironman. And they're, they're probably somewhat in entrepreneurship because they have a screw loose in some way too. And so I, my question to you is to go a little bit back is like, what specifically made you stop drinking? Because I think a lot of people turn to different vices in their life because they've never actually experienced what a fully optimized life looks like. And that's why I think they consistently resort to different vices like alcohol. What really sparked your decision to make that make that leap? Yeah, I, what it was was they probably won't see this, but you know, well, one, I well, when I, when I started doing the seventy five hard the one time, you know, and I stopped drinking and, and I saw my life go like this, and then I went back and hung around the same people, and that's all we did. I saw my life go like this. I saw every aspect of it, like not like we was going to you know hell in a handbasket, but I mean, I just like declined from where I thought I was going. And then, you know, and then the rest of the time I started doing this fitness and I was on a trajectory, but it was like plateauing. I was still, you know, like missing one workout a week. I would, or like not get it all in twice. And my coach would call me out on it. And, and so there's all these little excuses. You would wake up more tired. I was never, I never realized that how bad my sleep was, but all the bad sleep was purely because of drinking alcohol. And then one day I just like my business in Canada was a sinking ship. I would say for, I saved it probably three months ago, but it was, we were bleeding anywhere from like 300 grand a month to there was months where it was 800,000. And I was putting my head in the sand and I would like, literally there'd be all this fear and I'd have horrible sleeps. And I would like literally just not get obliterated, but just drink it, drink the feeling numb. And I, then I just did nothing about it. And then I eventually just had a moment. We were two weeks on my boat. And I was around these certain people and I realized these were the old people that I was hanging around. And we literally drank for two weeks straight. We were in the Exumas on my 53 foot boat, living life. But I, and I just realized I need to cut this out. I'm tired. This is not helping me. I put my head in the sand. This is hurting me. This is sinking me. Right. And that day forward, I, I just quit. It was done. That's incredible, man. That's a great. And I think a lot of times we have to associate a new habit or breaking a habit with a level of pain, right? And so like, I think the over time, especially as men, like the pain of staying the same has to outweigh the pain of changing. And I wish it was easier to, to just make a decision based on everyone else's past experience of like, oh, I've seen this guy and I, he's made a change. So I can just make that change. But a lot of the times we force ourselves to go through the same pain anyway, to actually experience it and then make a change. So I do appreciate <laughs> yeah. your perspective, man. So as we near the, the wrap up point here, Tell us about the initiative with the, with the children. Like where'd that spark? Yes. Yeah, so I came back from Puerto Rico. This was shortly after we did the 29,000 vertical feet thing. 
and I was on a run, you know, it was kind of like day one of getting back to the, to the hundred mile run training. And I was on, I had, I was out there running and I said to my wife, or I just thought to myself, I'm like, well, what happens? Like, how can we turn this into a lot of good? And so I got this idea. I walked into my house. My wife was cooking dinner and or lunch. And I said, Chrissy, I got an idea. I said, what if, oh, here, let me preface this, that we just redid our vision board. And on our vision board, we've got our goals in the next five years to donate a million dollars to charity. So go on this run, walk in this, had this idea. And I said, Chris, I got this idea. What if we donate $1 per follower to charity? And, and I want to raise a hundred, I want to donate a hundred grand this year in the next three months. She literally turns around. She's like, that sounds like a great idea. And I'm like, you know, like, cause it's a lot of money. I mean, it's not like we, I, you know, again, with we, my goal was to make $50,000 a year <laughs> when I was growing up. Right. So that well, we didn't know what charity was going to be. I did some research independently. I found three charities that seem like they do good work and that the math work, like the, the amount of money that goes to the actual help is there. The percentages are good. And, but I wanted Christy to also do her independent research. So I gave it to her. She's like, Oh, just whatever. You know, she comes back a little bit later. Oh, whatever one works for you. I said, no, no, no. You have to like go watch videos on them all. And she came back and she said to me, she's like, Brady, I think we would adopt one of those children. And, you know, and they're just like, again, just like it, it hits your heart. So that's, you know, that was the moment we said, yeah, it's, then we did contemplate, like, is this right? Like, are we, is it a fight that we can choose? Because it is taboo. People are, they don't like to talk about this. And I've seen like, you know, Facebook won't let me boost a post when it has this charity on there. And I said, well, that is, that's why, because it is hard to talk about. It is hard to hear. And it may be hard to promote, but that's why we need to do it, right? This, just because it's hard, because it's hard is the reason we will do it, right? It's not the reason we won't. Yeah, well said. And, you know, over a million children are, are trafficked every single year. The movie Sound of Freedom was really eye opening for, for myself. I won't speak for anybody else on here, but that was a movie that really changed my perspective on everything, realizing that not only is it going on all over the world, but the USA is one of the top, you know, countries that this happens in. Yeah. Right. And yeah, anyways, very, very alarming. If for anyone that hasn't seen the movie, I definitely would recommend it. You know, uh, anything else you want to add in regard to to that space, the charity side of things, or anything in, you want to add on the the child sex trafficking side of things? Yeah, I mean, I I just believe that you know, like as humans, I I mean, this is my perspective that we all need to like we all it's just natural habit. Like we're gonna make enough money, we're gonna do the things that need to so we serve ourselves, right? And then the next thing you're gonna do is do the same thing, get the means to serve your family. But after that, at least from our perspective, we need to do everything else that we can to serve everybody else, right? And I feel like, you know, children are close to my heart. Obviously, the sex trafficking thing is absolutely terrifying. I've had just like weird epiphanies around my house imagining my daughters going out to, you know, jump with the trampoline at the side of the house. And that was the last time I ever saw them, right? Could you ever imagine that? And, and you know, the airports are full of it. Like if you listen to the airports at Lauderdale or Miami, they're saying, do not let your kids out of sight because somehow these sick mother efforts, like they get these kids on airplanes, you know? And so it is real. And I think, you know, I, I just feel that, yeah, we have this ability to help. Right. And so we, we, we have a responsibility to. hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I, 
I want to, as we wrap up, I want to talk about your vision, where you see everything going before we get into your vision of kind of you personally and professionally. I wanted to ask you about like with the rise of technology, how do you see, you know, real estate investing and AI and how do you see AI and technology impacting real estate investing? That's a good question. I mean, I think real estate itself, I think there, I think there's probably going to be like, you know what? I think like real estate agents and, and like the service providers are really going to take a hit or they're going to have to change, right? And if they don't, then they're going to be the dinosaurs that, you know, didn't believe that the internet was going to be around. The thing about real estate is that hard assets, like the stuff that's on the dirt, like that, that stuff's not ever going away, right? right? And so it may make us be able to transact it faster. You know, I think it's only going to benefit, honestly. Like, I think the technology is helping us like that are embracing it. And if you're not embracing it, you know, I think you'll be in a world of hurt. You know, I, I'm not overly techie, but you know, I'm staying on the forefront of it a little bit. So, sure. yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the name of the game. I mean, people, if you're not using AI or at least chat GPT in your business, any business, you know, you got to be, you'll be a dinosaur. Totally, totally. Yeah. What, what, what are any, if any, I guess, what, what are some sectors right now that are, or trends in real estate that, that gets you really excited? Yeah. So I would say like we, so we're heavy into sort of self storage right now. So we've got two big self, self storages. It's been popping for the last 12 years. We've kind of missed the big, like the gold rush. I would say the opportunities, they're still there, but they're primarily in development where five years ago you could buy these mom pop shops. So I feel like that bubble is kind of like this. It's now plateauing. The next biggest and best thing that I'm all in on is car washes. Okay. So membership based express car washes. Mark my word. I'm going to, I don't want to just like say that I'm going to do something, but I've got something big in the pocket. So we're, we're putting together fun to do a, a big roll up of, of car washes. And the math just is insane. I mean, yeah, the velocity of profit that you got, you can literally build these things in year one. They'll cash flow 200 to 500 grand a year. You know, there isn't any other asset class that'll do that. And you could build them in one year. You know, and if you do these roll-ups with the right partners, you know, 10, 10 X, you know, much bigger ones, they, they were even 15 and 19 X last year. So that's where I'm at. You know, there's investment opportunities from passive side. We're definitely more of an active investor in that space. Wow. That's incredible. Cool. So with that, you, you shared with us the vision and you shared with us what that trend looks like. The last question that we always like to ask everyone that comes on here, and we, we know it's a little cheesy and everyone has to hear it every time they listen to our podcast, but this is the Consistency Wins podcast. That's our brand. What does consistency mean to you and how important is that in every piece, in every aspect of your life? Oh, dude, it's, it's like, it's, it's what consistency is, is doing all the hard crap you don't want to do regardless of whether you want to do it or not. It's about doing the, the, doing the inconvenient things relentlessly, right? It's about you know, most people try to make these big goals and attain this big thing. It's about breaking that down into tiny, small things and then doing those things and giving yourself the chance to win multiple times in a day. That's what consistency is. It's about stacking the wins. Boom. I love it. Well, Brady, thank you so much for coming on. We'll have all of the the tags to follow you in the in the description. It's been a pleasure connecting with you, man. This was a lot better than I, you know, I, I expected a lot, but you, you crushed it, man. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs>